did the right thing by calling us. Does your brother sleep a lot? Yeah, all day. Does the sunlight freak him out? Uh, he wears sunglasses in the house. Bad breath, long fingernails. Yeah, his fingernails are all a bit longer. Um, he always had bad breath, though. He's a vampire, all right. You're listening to Movie Things with Lindsay and Gary. Season 5, episode number 1. Oh, welcome to season 5. Season 5, our inevitable downfall. <laughs> <laughs> How many TV shows are still good when it hits season 5? I feel like we're going to prove them wrong. We're Seinfeld. We are going to prove them all wrong, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we're so excited to be back just in time for one of our favourite times of year. And this season we're going to be celebrating all things creepy with some hand-picked horror flicks and spooky screen favourites. We're going to be taking it in turns and in each episode we'll be talking all about a film that one of us has picked. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. The last season obviously we've done the full run through of phase one of the Marvel Universe which was a lot of fun to go back and revisit some of them but some of those films I wasn't really looking forward to watching as much whereas if I'm just getting to pick three films... How can we go wrong? You've got a 50% chance of fun. <laughs> I know, but I don't trust myself. You know what I'm like when it's time to pick a movie? It could be anything. It could be. It's a wild ride and I'm ready to buckle up and I hope our listeners are too. <laughs> <laughs> but episode one brought to you by the decision of Lindsay. Yeah, exactly. Today I have picked 1987 vampire thriller The Lost Boys as our first episode for the new season. This was released by Warner Brothers and made by Joel Schumacher. Who also made... St Elmo's Fire and Batman and Robin. Make of that what you will. Listen, for me, that, that's, that's two for two. We've got the one person in the whole universe here who enjoyed Joel Schumacher's Batman films. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know how, how much I like them more than the, the Christopher Nolan ones and that's a hill I'm willing to die upon. <sighs> I'm not going there. So why did you pick The Lost Boys? So for me, the some of the best kinds of horror films are ones that have like a little bit of humour in them. I don't think there's a massive difference between horror and humour and there's a nice good vein of humour that runs through The Lost Boys. I always grew up with a VHS copy of The Lost Boys at home and for me it's always a fun watch. As far as vampire films go, it's a big favourite and it's also a film that I'd always recommend to anyone looking for a horror film to watch but maybe don't like anything that's too terrifying or too gory. I think it's just a nice all-rounder and obviously it's made and set in the 80s which for me are just massive plus points. <laughs> I think that's a really interesting film because it's really got something for everyone. Yes. You could genuinely watch this film with four generations of the same family and everybody would have someone yeah. that they would kind of recognise a wee bit and that they would to. relate to. <laughs> so you've got the mum who's just divorced and trying to get back in the dating pool. You've got like the older teenage kids who are going through their kind of awkward post-puberty vampire thing. You've got the younger kids who are into comic books and their wee monster club. And then you've even got the MVP, the grandpa, (laughs) drinking his root beer, doing his taxidermy and hitting up the local widows. (laughs) (laughs) This film stars Kiefer Sutherland, Jason Patrick, the two Coreys, that's Corey Haim and Corey Feldman to the uninitiated, Edward Herman, Jamie Gertz and a whole host of others. There's a fun fact about Jamie Gertz that I wanted to hit you with pretty early on because there's a Seinfeld connection and I thought you'd be really interested to hear that. Our second Seinfeld mention and we're only 
four minutes into the season. <laughs> Go for it. So Jamie Gertz, who plays the love interest in the film, who's called Star, Star which is so 80s, she has a Seinfeld connection. So later in her career, Jamie Gertz actually featured in Can a... Can I guess? Can I guess? He can. One of Jerry's girlfriends. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Who appeared in one episode. Of course. Uh, but this is a really this is a really memorable okay. Jerry girlfriend. She appeared in the Seinfeld episode that's called The Stall and she couldn't spare a square for Elaine. No way, is that, it is, that, it is? Is that girl, yeah. And I bet that attitude all kicked off after hanging around with vampires in the eighties. That's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> <sighs> So will we go for a spoiler alert and then we will get into The Lost Boys? Oh man, you can tell I'm out of practice. No spoiler alert and I've already gave away half the plot. <laughs> Sorry guys. Listen, if you've not seen The Lost Boys yet, it's been around since 1987. You have had a lot of time to try and catch up before we talk about it. But if you do want to take that extra time, go watch it and then come back and join us spoiler free. That being said, if you have seen it or if you're just happy to listen to us chat anyway, that is also cool. Grab some snacks, settle on in, and let's get started. Is your snack human blood? <laughs> no. Why not? <laughs> My snack of choice has to be fried rice, of course, Michael. Maggots. <laughs> so as you've mentioned, Lucy, the archetypal lovely movie maw, who is sweet, patient and absolutely dotes on our family, She's newly divorced and she's moving to the seaside town of Santa Carla with her two sons, Sam and Michael. Michael makes friends with a bad crowd. Not too unusual when you move somewhere new, but they're even worse than they seem because it turns out that they are vampires. The undead. Exactly. Why Lucy decides to move her kids to Santa Carla is beyond me. Even at the start of the film, as they're driving into their new home, they pass a sign that proclaims it to be the murder capital of the world. There's posters for missing people everywhere. And even Sam comments that the place smells like death. To me, these are all red flags, <laughs> but for some reason, Lucy just doesn't Grandpa's care. There. I suppose. Yeah, they're moving in with, with the boy's grandpa, who seems to be a bit of an eccentric old hippie. He's the best. He's the best. And there's also a wee fan theory that he is also a vampire. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. He's half vampire. And his root beer that I mentioned before, he's got a fridge full of root beer that basically says, I think he's he's got the shelf marked off as his and it says old fart on it or something <laughs> like that. And it's just root beer and double stuffed Oreos. Yeah. But a lot of people think the root beer is actually half human blood. That's I mean, an interesting fancy he's half a vampire yeah you already at the start of the film were very taken with the grandpa <laughs> i just identify with old guys <laughs> grumpy old guys <laughs> this is actually like the start of the film's one of my my favorite scenes my favorite scenes in this film all basically revolve around the soundtrack and we'll probably like get onto that a wee bit later yeah the opening credits basically like they kick off with a doors cover mm-hmm been a big fan of the doors since i was like five or something daft like that so we get echo and the bunny men doing people are strange which isn't great but it's fine but what's actually great about this scene is what you were saying there about the one the missing posters and mm-hmm. things like that but what i love about it is they use this song and them journeying into santa carla to basically introduce the location but it's so many shots of really weird people yeah. like it's very 80s there's genuinely a girl kissing a rat 
<laughs> which sounds like I'm making it up. I'm not. But it's obviously they're just trying really hard to establish like what a cookie place this is. Yes. While dropping in lots of shots of those missing posters. So yeah. it does establish for you the whole everything is not as it seems. Mm-hmm. But it's just all these great shots of all these 80s wild eccentric characters. Yeah. Well, that cover of People Are Strange plays. It's a good opener. It does, and it really sets the tone for the whole film, which <laughs> I really like. This scene's also particularly funny because as soon as they arrive at the grandpa's house with all their stuff, the only thing that Michael moves into the house is a barbell, and he, he immediately starts doing reps in the kitchen, which is both amazing and hilarious. Hashtag goals. <laughs> so it's safe to say that the two boys aren't mega enamoured with their new digs, and they head out to the boardwalk to check out the local scene. And one of the things that I love most about this film is that I only need to wait 10 minutes for my favourite scene in the whole film. And again, another scene that revolves around the soundtrack. It does, because there's a live concert taking place with um, Tim Capello, who is a big oiled up guy playing the saxophone and singing. It's just the most iconic thing ever. I do love an 80s concert scene, and this one is just brilliant. It's like a Ma's wet dream. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it really doesn't surprise me that in real life Big Tim played sax for Tina Turner because he's such a badass. <laughs> you you kind of you said oiled up, but I think you really need to like underline bold. It's it's, it's not just a bit of oil. Yeah, it's a gallon. It's that's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. But maybe garlic oil and he's fighting off the vampires. Mm, could be, could be. <laughs> but this is where Michael's fate takes a ton it does it doesn't take michael long at all to come across the lost boys in the movie and that always makes me wonder if it's deliberate do they want him to find them they are quite accepting of them early doors eh? i always figured if i came across a group of vampires i might have to convince them to let me in because the immortality thing's pretty cool and yeah. i can't imagine they're just dishing that out willy-nilly so i always just thought the come onus, and join our gang i always thought the onus would be on the, the joiner yeah they do come across as really cool. So you've got these four pouting guys with big 80s hair, flashy rocker clothes and more cool poses than you could shake a can of Aquanet at. You think, is this a poison cover band? <laughs> even <laughs> better. Even better. It's vampires. <laughs> and David, who's played by Kiefer Sutherland, he's the leader of the gang and he invites Michael to follow them. And after a nice meal of a Chinese takeaway and a suspicious looking bottle of wine, quote unquote wine, um, and I have to see some really light peer pressure, Michael becomes one of them. You know where Hudson's Bluff is overlooking the point? I can't beat your bike. You don't have to beat me, Michael. You just have to try and keep up. Time for Factor One of Season 5. Oh my God, I'm very excited. <laughs> During the scene when Michael's first hanging out with the vampire gang in their cave, they're kind enough to offer him some Chinese food mm-hmm. alongside Everlasting Life, obviously, but <laughs> you can't have one without it's the other. Still a nice appetizer. Yeah, which on the face of it seems like a fairly nice gesture to their new guest. However, David passes the rice to Michael with the chopsticks sticking vertically out of the food, which is actually greatly offensive in Asian culture. Oh, really? It's akin to wishing death upon the individual to whom the food is passed or bringing the curse of death to those at the table. Wow. Yeah, the reason for that is because it's reminiscent of how incense is presented at funerals 
or how food is offered to the deceased. I did not know that. Which puts a wee different tone on that scene, I think, because yeah. I didn't know that either. And I was reading about the movie and I came across that as a wee facto and then I had a wee look to corroborate it because obviously I don't want to say these things without <laughs> having at least two dodgy sources. <laughs> but then I was thinking, at first you think, oh, they've brought him in and they're really like kind of easy going. And like I say, they're just willing to have him in the club, even yeah. though they met him five minutes exactly. before. But are they? Yeah. Because if he knew that that was a wee death curse, mm-hmm. maybe it's because he was ch- Michael was chasing his girlfriend. Better That's- having your... Your, what is it? Friends close, enemies closer? Yes. There you go. <laughs> no, that's hard for you to say because you don't like having anybody close. Nah, so just keep everybody far away. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, this is always a bit of the film that surprises me because Michael really doesn't take much convincing before deciding just to join like the gang of vampires. And yeah, if you were to ask Michael, if they jumped off a bridge, would you do it too? The answer is yes, because that's what they go and do next. I don't know. I'm kind of down with Michael's decision-making because these are the important issues that you should have considered well in advance of meeting a group of vampires. Like, I feel like it's important to know what you would do in that circumstance before it happens. I have to say, I've not really given it much thought until right now. So what would you do? Are you joining? I think I'd need a bit more. You've got like 30 seconds, the bottle of wine's in your hand. You're either joining or you're not. First of all, I don't think it's wine that's in that bottle. And second of all, I need more T's and C's before I... <laughs> see, I'm down. I've already thought and I'm thinking, see if I come across a group of vampires, I'm in. You're in. I'm in. Yeah. Hit me up. Pass me the hairspray. <laughs> Pass me the vine. One of the things that I also really like about this film is the close bond between the two brothers. It's a really nice thread that runs through the whole film. And because they're so close, Sam pretty much suspects something's up right away. (laughs) And apparently all you really need to do to be suspected of being a vampire is enjoy a long lie, wear sunglasses indoors and be a bit sassy. And Sam Mm. will think you're a vampire. (laughs) That's why you've not thought about this. You don't need to. You've already done it. I'm already there. <laughs> already in the gang. Michael's quite a funny character to me all the way through it. There's a great scene at this um, near the start where he buys his leather jacket on the boardwalk, which is quite funny. And she's like, oh, you look great. <laughs> <laughs> so that's him. He's got his barbell and a leather jacket and he's, he's bossing it. But the guy who plays him, I, I think it's really funny because to me, somebody's basically shown him peak Travolta and said do that but also act a little bit like jim morrison as well it's some sort of cross it's if travolta peak travolta played jim morrison in the doors movie it's some somewhere around there is where michael lands that is something i would really like to watch (laughs) nobody wants (laughs) the new york jim morrison (laughs) disco dancing jim morrison leather pants and cans of paint But Michael's in way over his head and he looks to Sam to support him and they do have a really believable bond, which, as I say, I really like that through the film. Yeah, Sam's response to him is basically, oh no, you're a vampire. Wait till I tell (laughs) (laughs) mum. But he's still comfortable enough to go for a bath with Michael in the house. Yeah. (laughs) And that's another really, really good scene in the film. That revolved around the soundtrack. Yeah. See? This is my three favourite scenes in the film. You've got the Doors intro, you've got the saxophone, and then you've got the bath. Mm -hmm. Because in the bath, we're introduced, or I was introduced anyway, to an amazing singer called Clarence Frogman Henry. 
And what a song this is. It is, it's a good one. It's absolutely amazing. So if you get anything from this, if you take away anything from my contribution to this episode, it's go listen to Clarence Frogman Henry. I mean, I think that's pretty good. That's a pretty good takeaway. <laughs> but what a scene as well, because he's having a bath. Mm-hmm. The most bubbles you could ever imagine. It's what I like to think of as an executive bath, like when you've got a full full bottle of redox, about six bath bombs. And time. Yeah, and, and a soundtrack. <laughs> and there you go. And basically, Michael kind of, this is the, I think the only time it really happens in the film where Michael's still fighting these like initial vampire urges. He doesn't mm-hmm. really know how to control it or what it's what it means for him just now. And he almost attacks his brother. Mm-hmm. But his brother has an epic dog. Yeah. <laughs> his brother's got a lovely dog. Who also is big and strong enough to fight off a vampire. Mm-hmm. Multiple times. Yeah. But it makes sure that Michael doesn't harm him. Yeah. That is, that is, a, is a really good scene in the film. And, you know, you can tell that Michael doesn't want to harm Sam. But those urges just kind of overpower all sensible decision making. While Michael's out making friends with the local vampires, Sam has also made some new friends and it's two guys called the Frog Brothers who run a local comic book shop. They're also experts on all things supernatural and they give them lots of helpful tips including how to identify the head vampire because the theory is if you kill the head vampire then basically everything will be okay. So Sam kind of stumbles across their comic book shop twice at this point in yeah. the film, the first time is when they've kind of followed Star after the epic sax concert. They've lost her and he's stumbled into the comic book shop. The second time, he goes during the day. The first time, they give him a sort of like, there's vampires in your community type mm-hmm. comic. And then the second time, it's a sort of, here's how you actually deal with them. I think the main takeaway from both of Sam's visits to the comic book shop is his outfits. Yes, definitely. The costume design in this film um, is amazing. It's one of my favourite things about The Lost Boys. The costume designer was Susan Becker, who's also known for True Romance, St Elmo's Fire and Days of Thunder. So 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 an amazing (laughs) CV, right? Like, such a good... And that's just like a tip of the iceberg, but that's three really good good ones that I wanted to mention um, that she's she's also done the costume design for. Our work in this film is amazing. Like the vampire gang come off like rock and roll rebels. They're cruising around the boardwalk on their motorbikes. They really redefine how vampires might look. There's no capes, there's no cloaks. They're very fashionable and they're very aspirational. And it kind of lends well to the idea that they might walk among us because they're basically dressed like the coolest guys at school or the coolest guys on the boardwalk. So I really like that. Susan Becker apparently invited some creative input from the four main vampires as well so she gave each actor a budget and sent them to the shops to pick their own clothes which I think makes the characters feel even more authentic. Yeah there's some dodgy haircuts but other than that the style is pretty spot on. Yeah the styling is amazing. Sam who's played by Corey Haim his wardrobe is the complete opposite of the vampires (laughs) he wears kind of brighter pastel colors and miami vice jackets like he's very he's very much like a sort of like a bit of a mall like lurker like a bit of a bit of a fashion victim and one of my favorite things that he wears in the whole film is he has a t-shirt that says born to shop on it which (laughs) i just think is amazing (laughs) 
So the Frog Brothers don't quite take to Sam right away because they are they are dressed a bit more grungy um, and he is very clean cut and very fashionable and as I say, that real kind of Miami Vice vibe going on. They're dressed like the final battle with the vampires of the boardwalk could happen at any minute and they need to be prepared. Yes. <laughs> but one of the, the reasons for the way that they dress is what apparently Joel Schumacher and Susan Becker did was they asked the two boys that played the Frog Brothers to go and watch um, like Rambo and Stallone films and stuff to kind of give them a feel for what their characters would dress like and act like. Like you say, always just being prepared for battle at any moment. <laughs> They've done better than me. If I was asked to go and um, figure out what to wear and the influences Rambo, I think I would be back topless with the bandana. Because <laughs> what else are you going to pick? What a look. What a look. So I have some vampire questions for you. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. Is this the best vampire movie? I think this is probably... It's definitely up there. It's one of my favourite vampire films. I like really old vampire films like Bela Lugosi as Dracula and Max Schreck as Nosferatu but I would say in terms of when I say modern vampire films I guess anything from like the 70s onwards this is probably my favourite one. How about you? Yeah I think that probably sums it up. My next question was going to be do you prefer Dracula or vampires and I think that's probably like not to get too into it but that's maybe like the the differentiating point for me I prefer Dracula films to Mm -hmm. vampire films but if you look at them separately yeah I think this is my favorite vampire film but not my favorite it wouldn't be my favorite Dracula film yeah I love Bela Lugosi and I love Christopher Lee and the classic Hammer films yeah excellent so the last kind of act of the film centers around as you hinted a final showdown with the Lost Boys and it turns out that Max who is Lucy's new boss at work he's the head vampire and also Richard Gilmore I know Edward Herman and a brilliant (laughs) role as a local video store owner Max there's a few wee hints to this through the film that you only really catch on like second or third viewing I guess Mm -hmm. like and initially I remember the first time seeing the Lost Boys it comes as quite a surprise that he's the head vampire it did to me anyway. And then when you watch it back, you think there's loads of wee classic vampire hallmarks within his character. And also he has some wee nods and winks to the group mm-hmm. um, throughout the film. Yeah. But he's a great character in this. Yeah, he's great. There, there's a part in it where he comes over to the house for dinner and he stands outside and he kind of puts it in a way that he's not going to come in unless the man of the house invites him in. He puts it across in a way that it's like a gentlemanly thing to do, but of course people know that from vampire lore, vampires can't actually enter your house unless they've been invited in. Hey, how you doing? You must be Michael, right? And you must be Max. Right. How are you? Well, you're the man of the house, and I'm not coming in until you invite me. You're invited. Thanks very much. 
And again, that scene where Max comes over for dinner provides a lot of really good humour as well. Sam and the Frog Brothers are also sitting around the dinner table and they're trying their best to try and out Max as a vampire and it just backfires <laughs> spectacularly. They try and over-garlic his food, they throw water on him to see if he starts to burn and also they put a mirror right in front of his face as well. And he... And, there's a bit there where Edward Herman just screams because because he's not expecting <laughs> to see a mirror in front of his face. But because they invited him in, none of these basic tricks work. Yeah, I never knew that until yeah. I, I watched The Lost Boys. So as I mentioned, there's a lot of really good humour in the film. A couple of other funny moments that I just wanted to briefly mention was Grandpa Spritz and Window Cleaner as Aftershave on himself for his hot date with one of the local widows. There's the Frog Brothers telling Sam in a really deadpan way that he'd better get himself a garlic t-shirt. And when Sam finds out that Michael's become a creature of the night, he reacts, just you wait till mum finds out, oh, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, there's loads and loads of humour all the way through this. And like you said right at the very beginning, balances really nicely with the horror. This is a great horror film for people who maybe don't particularly love straight up horror films to me this is more of that kind of classic 80s action's not even the right word for it they only really like made these films this well in the 80s when it's that perfect balance of comedy horror action adventure thriller yeah it's just got about everything in there it is and i think it's honestly one of the perfect films to start your halloween season with it's great if you're watching it with maybe people that are a couple of different age groups it's also great if you're watching it with people that like things that are creepy and spooky but also don't want to have to sleep with the lights on as well perfect so what did you rate the lost boys on watching and re-watching The Lost Boys over the years, to me, it really redefined what life as a vampire could be. It shows it as having its perks. You know, you never grow old, you never die. It's very bohemian, it's very sexy. You get to live at the seaside, go to saxophone guy concerts. Apart from the bit where you need to kill people, it looks like a pretty sweet deal. I think that the style um, which I have gone into in some detail, absolutely defines this film. It's extremely stylish. It's got an absolutely knockout soundtrack and it's just a great watch. So for me, it's like a music video come to life and for that, I'm giving it a really enjoyable 8 out of 10. How yes, about you? Yeah, I've given it 8 out of 10 as well. Oh, our, fir- yeah. our, our first match of the season. I'm a big fan of the, the tone of the Lost Boys. Like I said, it's it's the best of that kind of classic 80s balance between comedy and horror. I think the style for me is like a wee bit cheesy. I think that's where the movie's not, not dated as such, but obviously very of its time. Yeah. But the dialogue isn't, and I think that's what helps it feel quite timeless as a film. I remember seeing this for the first time probably in the, the mid-90s. And it didn't feel like any other vampire films I'd seen at that point, which is funny because, like you've mentioned before, it basically ticks all the generic vampire boxes. Mm-hmm. You've got They've got no reflection, they hate holy water, they need to be invited into the house, and the main vampire's after a woman called Lucy. It basically ticks every Dracula yep. or vampire box, but it doesn't feel like any other vampire film I think I'd seen up, in that, up until that point. So... Definitely make it into my top five vampire movies, maybe even pushing top three. 
And I think one of the main things you can say about The Lost Boys that's really positive is it doesn't get tired, even though we watch it all the time. I would say we watch this film at least once a year. And maybe even if we're flicking channels and it's on TV, we will always put it on and watch it to the end. Yeah, so good soundtrack, good hair and good fangs. It's a winner for me. Well, that's our show, guys. We hope you enjoyed the first episode of season five and we're so happy to have you back with us. Where can people find us on social media? You can catch us over on Instagram and Twitter at MovieThingsPod. And if you could leave a wee review wherever you listen to your podcast, that would be amazing. So come over and join us on social media and tell us if you've seen The Lost Boys and if so, what's your favourite style moment from the film and if you do have any favourite scenes. And also, if there are any other vampire films that you would recommend as well, we'd love to hear from you. Awesome. So catch us back, same back time, same back channel for my pick next week. Can't wait. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you in the next episode. You better get yourself a garlic t-shirt, buddy, or it's your funeral.